0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash Judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
1: book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free
0: cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: I remember just to kind of paint a picture for you. I remember laying in the ICU kind of one night and woke up and I went to scratch my nose and uh, I was laying on my back and I remember going to scratch my nose and I didn't have the tricep muscle so my hand just kind of fell on my face and then I looked down and my looked down at my atrophied arms and body and I just remember how fast I went from like being this strong, athletic young man, to looking down and just being kind of just a bag of bones, you know, I mean, I was like very, that was very hard pill to swallow at that moment.
0: We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I am just going to start out. I like to start out light, but today, sometimes I don't start out light. Um, Today, I actually have a male male speaker and author that I'm going to introduce in a second, so maybe he can pipe in on this. But I have been just devastated by the loss of Stephen Boss twitch to suicide um I I think when I think about it just with my own struggles with my own mental health and everything I went through in the past few years and maybe I can bring Rick in here uh, it's just a reminder I mean for me I would watch his his wife's Instagram, and i remember occasionally i would catch him on ellen and i would think oh my gosh like the, he's just such a bright light and his family was so beautiful and they're dancing like they look so in love and so happy and it's just a reminder that number one social media can be a facade right so that's the first point that you never know what somebody's going through in their life and their personal life and don't Don't judge social media about by like what's reality because it's just not. You put your best foot forward on social media. Um, That's why I really try to be transparent on my own social media. Um, But I wanted to point out, reach out to your friends, like your friends that you think might be doing the best, right? Your friends that are always laughing, your friends that you think have this great life. Check in on them check in on your friends, check in on your family. Um, the suicide rates in the United States are have skyrocketed and are the highest of all time. And I can tell you that you can look at my pictures, you can hear my story and know that I also was suicidal and, um, and I chose to stay. And it really breaks my heart that especially for men and in the black community just knowing that i've i've interviewed somebody that was in the black community and talked about like being a minority and asking for for help it's just not accepted so i'll introduce rick weary um rick is an author he is a speaker he is has the patience of a saint because i can tell you that we had some major issues trying to record a couple of weeks ago. And I, like I could, I, for some reason, couldn't get my, I don't oh my power went out or something. And then I couldn't get my Wi-Fi to work. And he was so kind about it. So I already know that this is just the most tremendous individual. And once you hear his story, you're going to like him even more. But Rick, let me, before we start Can you touch on what I just said? Because I think being, being male, especially it's so hard for men to talk about mental health. And I always love when I have male guests coming on, telling their, their
2: stories. Oh, I, this is a perfect topic um, for me as well. You know, I mean, I talk about it in my book and, and maybe we can get into a a little bit later, but I too struggled. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't think the answer is the same for everybody, but, uh, Mm -hmm. we're all a community and anytime you can reach out and help or, or anything, if you, you, like my dad, he's a farmer, right. And, and he drives, uh, he drives down the road so slow, right. And when people get behind him and I'm like riding with him, I'm like, speed up dad And one thing he's always (laughs) told me is he's like, I'm always driving. I'm just looking out. And if I see somebody on the side of the road or, or if I see somebody, I just, I'm always noticing things. And, and, uh, you know, that's a good lesson, you know, try to, try to notice if someone looks down one day and, and the smallest things can spark, uh, positivity. So, oh,
0: I love that. What a tremendous human being your father sounds like. It's so true. We don't think we're all so busy and especially being the holidays. By the way, when this comes out, it won't be the holidays because I'm now pre-recording a month out. So sometimes my stories might be behind for my listeners and my audience, but the topic is always the same. And the topic is your mental health matters if you have the best job in the world and you have more money than God and you have the nicest cars and the nicest clothes, none of that stuff matters if you don't work on your insides. So that's, I'll get off my pedestal right now. And Rick, thank you so much for coming on and your patience for being such a patient person with my my nightmare of trying to get you scheduled. Um, Rick's book is called red letter days. Um, Rick's story is, I actually don't usually seek out guests. I mean, I do sometimes, but for some reason, I don't know how I found you, Rick, but you were on something and I reached out to you and I said, I need to have you on my podcast. I don't remember what it was. It was some some post or something you posted. And I was so inspired by your story that I really felt the, uh, the need to have you on. So why don't we kind of start with your background? I know you're in freezing cold Utah right now, and you made fun of me for complaining about <laughs> the weather in L.A. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, I was born and raised uh, in uh, Roosevelt, Utah on a dairy farm. I grew up loving sports. Um, the main reason I love sports so much is because I could get out of like chores on the farm if I were as busy with sports. Um, I, yeah, I'm a small town, just a country boy. And, uh, you know, I was the youngest of four kids and, you know, just, uh, I was just a country boy. That's, that's the best way I can explain it.
0: What was your sport? What was your baseball? What was your sport? Uh, yeah,
2: baseball was my favorite, but I also played uh, football mm-hmm. and then a little bit of basketball, also. So, and now, okay. Uh, so you were I, you I were enjoy very even athletic. More coaching my kids, yeah. I yeah, I I was athletic, strong, and you know, healthy, whatnot.
0: Okay, and and so your childhood, your upbringing was living on a farm. It sounds like you have a amazing father a uh, pretty happy childhood
2: yeah I I definitely couldn't complain about my upbringing um, if anything I feel like sometimes I'm doing my kids a disservice uh letting them watch YouTube because for me I was all there was always work to be done and stuff and sometimes there's like not a lot for for me to keep my kids active and so that's what I do I like to coach them in sports and work with them and that's kind of like our hobbies, too. We we like following them around to their uh, baseball tournaments or whatnot. So, you know, we love it.
0: I love that. So let's talk a little bit about what your accident, if you're okay, kind of going there and what inspired you to, like, share your story and write your book.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I was in Utah and in most rural areas, they do a program – uh, for young couples, uh, it's called self-help housing, and you got to be kind of skilled and know the construction field. and And I was I was a construction plumber at the time. Uh, my wife and I uh, we were kind of college sweethearts, and we got married. We had been married for a year, and we joined this program and started building our own houses, our own house. And what you do is you get together with like a group of ten other couples. Um, or families, and you work. You actually do the work on your own house, and it's a way to build sweat equity and get into your first house affordably. and uh, And I was working uh, one night, and you were supposed to carry on all this work and do your everyday forty hour day job. And so we would work nights and weekends, and you know, anytime we got a chance, we were just over here at the you know at the at the job site doing whatever tasks we were told. And uh, we were working late one Sunday night. Um, we started around like four and we had planned on working like the whole night. We had lights set up and everything. And I was working with my friend uh, Zach and we we were just working on his actual house, which is actually two doors down from my house. And uh, I was building a wall on the floor. I was uh, building it and getting ready to stand it up, and I shot a nail into the, um, to to construct the wall. And uh, I nailed, uh, that nail hit a knot in the wood, and it like ricocheted up and then shot into like the web of my thumb. So I had a nail right there sticking out of my thumb, you know, and I was a tough guy. Again, I mentioned that I was a tough guy, so I asked my friend uh Zach, who I was with, to pull it out, and um he did. He grabbed his Leatherman and pulled it out, and it didn't, I mean, it hurt a little bit, but I was just trying to act tough, and as I was looking down at that nail, I started to get lightheaded, and it's weird because I, I had mentioned I grew up on a dairy farm, and so we had our share of of blood and guts and, you know, I felt like I was pretty, you know, I've doctored cows, you know, and felt like I yeah. wasn't, blood never scared me until this day or whatever. I was looking down at my own thumb and a little hole in my thumb and it got, made me lightheaded. And so I started walking across the floor to get a drink and I thought that would solve the issue. And as I was walking, I passed out and earlier that day we had built or we had cut the hole out of the floor where the stairs go and we hadn't built the stairs yet and so as I was walking across I tipped over and fell uh into that hole that was in the floor and fell directly into the basement I landed on the top of my head right here at uh about c6 c7 vertebrae and I broke my neck right about there and uh laying in the basement scared Uh, I didn't know what to do or say or you know and my friend Zach called the ambulance Uh, the ambulance came I was laying in the basement and now this is in March in Utah and so there was a little bit of ice in the like the it had snowed the day before it shoveled as much snow but it melted and then frozen and so I was in like a layer of ice about that thick you know. Um, just laying there, and I had I had cotton I caught pneumonia even laying in there, and and that would later be kind of the thing that just about killed me. But I got uh, ambulance to the Richfield Hospital, and then uh, they lifelighted me to Provo, Utah Hospital. Um, I, the helicopter touched off at eleven o'clock, and here's a kind of crazy thing. The next uh, hour at midnight would be the next day, March uh, 10th. And that was that would have been my uh, one-year anniversary with my wife.
0: Oh. So tell me, I'm so sorry, like what a scary thing to happen and just how quickly it can happen. You know, how quickly your life can change. And in a blink of an eye, were you awake during that whole experience? Like you hit your head and didn't pass out? You knew what was going on or?
2: So I was, uh, my friend Zach woke me up down in the basement and explained to me what had happened. And um, uh, he explained to me and I was awake from then on. Um, I was awake in the ambulance. I remember telling Zach uh, that I couldn't feel my legs. And I remember, it's kind of weird, I didn't really even think about my hands or my arms um, until I remember I was in the ICU and I had caught pneumonia, I mentioned. And so with newly paralyzed lungs, pneumonia was the thing that just about killed me. Um, so they, what they did is they put me on a tracheotomy uh, where you breathe through right here. And they bypass your mouth and throat, and so you can't speak um, uh I was on a medically induced coma um to where uh they wanted to keep me stable because of my. they wanted to protect the spine they didn't want me moving around, so they would basically keep me in a coma, and I'd wake up for a short periods of time, and once I started moving around enough, they'd just drug me enough to keep me back asleep and stable. Um, but eventually I, how, uh, pl- go, go ahead. ahead. I was just um, going to say, the,
0: how long were you, were you in the coma? How long were you in the, ho- how long were you hospitalized? I mean, that's
2: terrifying. So I was in the ICU for about two weeks. Um, and then, mm-hmm. I, so I was in the coma for, I think a week. That's, uh, just guessing. I don't remember the details. And then I, uh, they moved me from the ICU to a neuro rehab unit. Um, and that's where uh, the PTs and OTs would come in and work with you every day and rehab you basically to, to try to get you to be able to be the most independent as possible. That's their goal, um, to get you back into life and living in your house and stuff. And I remember just to kind of paint a picture for you. I remember laying in the ICU kind of one night and woke up and I went to scratch my nose and uh, I was laying on my back and I remember going to scratch my nose and I didn't have the tricep muscle so my hand just kind of fell on my face. And then I looked down and my looked down at my atrophied arms and body and I just remember how fast I went from like being this strong, athletic young man to looking down and just being kind of just a bag of bones, you know, I mean, I was like very, that was very hard pill to swallow at that moment.
0: Yeah. And tell me what, what that feeling is like, cause really there's nothing, I can't imagine the feeling of just being like. I can't use my legs anymore. I can't. My life is completely changed, right? I I no longer am the person I once was physically on the outside. I'm going to have to relearn the whole process of living and being a whole new person, really. what I can only imagine what that would feel like in the pain and the anger and all the stages that you probably went through. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: So I remember just the smallest of tasks would become so frustrating. When I was on my trach, uh, my wife, it was back when we had flip phones, she needed to check my voicemail on my phone. And so she had to type in the four digits. And so I was unable to speak, unable to hold up a digit on my hand because my hands were paralyzed. And we got so frustrated because she was, the only way that I could relay that message was for her to read my lips. And we'd get, you know, get the wrong number and I'd get frustrated and no, that's not, you know, and we have to start over, whatnot. Just the smallest of things were just so, became so challenging and hard. And I remember too, when I was in the rehab unit, my sleep was just, all over the place I'd sleep all day and then I'd be like wide awake at night and I just couldn't figure out a sleeping schedule and so I'd most of the time I'd have family around me during the day especially my wife Um, but at nights I was like alone to my thoughts and alone and man that was where this like dark cloud of just I guess just depression and just like, why? You know, why did you take this away from me? And what was really yeah, interesting? This, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. I was just gonna say the piece of it of the why, right in life, or if you're spiritual, why me? Why now? All of those questions. Are you spiritual?
2: Yeah, I I uh, tried to sp- stay spiritual pretty much the most mm-hmm. most of the. Time, um, and uh,
0: but you probably had a hard time with that, <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And yeah, and uh, you know, I just, I think, I think God puts people into our places at certain times when we need it. Um, at for me, it was uh, I was in rehab and uh, wide awake one night, nobody around, and I had a nurse come in to my my room. And she was a older lady, kind of a hard nosed nurse. I could tell she'd been around for a while. And uh she brought into me a calendar and a red marker. And she said to me, Anytime she she says, Stop feeling feeling sorry for yourself and take a fresh start from today and and just say, Today's your new life, and anytime you can do something today. That you couldn't do yesterday, we're going to write it down and celebrate it, and we would have the weirdest accomplishments and the weirdest celebrations. Um, and I think they were low on census at the time too, so they had like a lot of time to spend on me, and so we'd like uh, we'd write these things down in this calendar that were silly, you know. I'm, you know, and it's just it was just kind of at the time it was something keep us busy, you know, but we would write down in this calendar, like today, Rick wheeled down the hall without help, you know, 50 yards. And, and I remember even we had, uh, the whole staff, we had, it was, there was a lady named Jenny May and she was working somewhere else. She took a, took a job. And so we were kind of celebrating her. And so we held a 1k (laughs) and, uh, we all walked 1k for Jenny May and, uh, anyways, those were things that, uh, kept us, kept my mind off of, uh, of the here and now, the, the, the situation. Um, but then I eventually, I went home, I came home to my new house and, and, uh, you know, time moves on, right? And, uh, the newness of my injury, the newness of people coming around and visiting Rick had kind of worn off and, uh I spend a lot of time alone by myself and uh you know this is kinda interesting how timing wise we were talking about Twitch and whatnot and and maybe this is, you know, the reason why, but uh this was where that dark cloud came back to me and uh I wanted to end my life. Um I was I would remember thinking how crazy it was that I that I would just all of a sudden be coming up with ideas, and uh with my hands paralyzed, I remember thinking how pathetic it was that i i I was just coming up with an trying to come up with an idea, and the only idea that I could figure out that would be the best situation is uh I wanted to push my wheelchair into a canal, and in my neighborhood there's a canal that runs um, across my neighborhood and, uh, through my neighborhood. And, but I knew that there was a problem with that. I knew that I didn't think I could will myself to that canal. And there was a little hill to get up to that canal. And I didn't think I could do that. Um, so what I did is I started like, that was my new goal, um, was to will myself a little bit further every day. Um, So that eventually I could get up that hill and do the deed, and so I'd just go like a little bit further in increments, and one day I went uh, to the bottom of the hill and like made it a little bit up, and I thought, you know, next next trip I can do this, and so finally I rested a couple days, and then I thought about it, and uh, you know, this was my day, so I was gonna say goodbye to my wife and said goodbye and will all the way down the street got to the bottom of this hill and i looked at it as a challenge and and i got myself up to this hill and uh you know got up to the top of the hill when i'm sitting at the top of the hill i was thinking to myself that i couldn't that i had like set a goal and accomplished it and uh kind of interesting enough the voice of that nurse and and her words was like, accomplish something today that you couldn't do yesterday. And I thought to myself that I had just done that. I had accomplished something that I couldn't do. And uh, physically, not just mentally, I physically did something that I couldn't do. And I uh, I talk about when I motivational speak, I talk about how I lived two different lives. Um, my life before my accident where I was strong and I solved all my problems with just sheer strength and then my life after my accident and my second life didn't start when I broke my neck my second life started that day so yeah to finish the story to finish the story I didn't push myself in the canal I wheeled myself around the entire block that day and I was proud of myself I and that was the answer for me I'm not saying it's the answer for anybody else but that day I survived that day and then I I thought more about that concept of do something today that you couldn't do yesterday
0: first. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin-D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin-D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear.
3: Use as directed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: Okay, well, I'm now h- crying, so <laughs> um that's a beautiful story. Like it really honestly is, and I think unless you've been in the amount of pain that you have or you can understand what it's like to be a prisoner in your own mind. Because that's what I think of when I think of, you know, I'll talk about my own experience with um, wanting to leave and, um, and to have a moment that's a gift in so many ways where you're like, no, I'm not going out this way. I'm not going out this way. And your story is, you know, really hard to hear. It really is. But I think it's, it's just, it's a testament to a human being's ability to overcome really anything, you know, we never know how long we're on this planet, you know, we're a decade now to me seems like it goes by in a flash, you know, and so no matter what our our things that we have to go through in life, there's always there's always a way to stay, you know there's always a reason to stay, and your story really is the purpose why I think that you stopped yourself and then you wrote the book and then you're here to share to help other people, right. I hope that you see yeah. it that way because I do. And um and you really just touch me like my heart right now. Cause I really needed to hear that. And I think that a lot of my listeners, um, and sorry, because I cry pretty I'm on I I just surpassed my hundredth episode. I think out of my hundred episodes, I probably cried on like 90 of them. <laughs> so I'm okay. a crier, but I also think it's just a story of the human, like a human's ability to be so resilient and overcome really anything. So, um, and I love that your nurse like was kind of like, I love hearing that there's people like that, like, you know, kind of like get up, like this isn't done for you. You keep going, like stop being in like such self pity. And sometimes we need to hear that. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I got an analogy for you, Megan. Um, I, I like to hand cycle. I ride this, uh, hand cycle and, uh, I go, um, quite often ride around like the neighborhood and stuff. And my favorite, uh, distance is to go about 15 miles. And if I go 15 miles, there's this spot in, uh, the town across from me. Um, it's this hill, right? And and uh, it's crazy because this hill is is in Elsinore, Utah. If you're ever there, you know you recognize. Um, but there's a bike path, and and what's interesting is to the right of you is like the freeway, and to the left of you is a another hill, and you're you're going up this steep incline, and and you're kind of tunneled in, and you can't all you see is the top of the hill and you know i'm i'm a proponent of fitness and kicking your own butt you know and and i always question my sanity when i'm riding up this hill and just like i feel like my i'm like all i'm doing is just suffering you know and, and uh-huh. i feel like i feel like in life you know here's your analogy I feel like a lot of times we are the same way. We we uh just feel like there's we're tunneled in by our problems. And you know, eventually you get to the top of the hill. And the it's what's what's interesting about this particular path is once you get to the top of the hill, you become this isn't a word, but you come untunnelized and you can see like the whole picture, you can see the whole valley and you can look back at the hill and you realize that you suffered for a reason. You didn't just, it wasn't just torture. You know, you get to, you now get to go down the other side and, and, you know, like you get to enjoy your suffering, you know? And, uh, yeah. Megan don't, don't tell my mom or my wife, but I I can get like 30 miles an hour going down the other side and, and like, <laughs> It is worth they it. they better you know? listen um,
0: and then I, then they'll know, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I love I mean, that. It, it I love like that, I think so rush, many people
0: people, people yeah, people need to hear this, people need to hear your story. Tell me once you got to the point of making the decision to stay, right what how did your life turn around where were you that moment that those seconds? I know for me, it just kind of hit me one day and I, I, I hate to use my own story, but I can relate in different ways to the moment for me when I was sitting on the beach and I, you know, I talk about how I was done. I was done. I was like, I, I had a plan. I knew how I was going to go. I had obsessed about it for six months, um, and then I looked at my kids like I, that was the time when that day I looked at my kids and I just kind of was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then something inside of me was like, Uh, uh-uh, I'm not going out this way. I can't, I can't leave my daughter, my older one, especially, and my younger one, but my old, something about my older one, because I had lost my dad as a little girl. And I just thought, I was like, I don't want her to grow up without me, like I have work to do. And then I realized my purpose, which is kind of to tell my story. So more and more people like you and I kind of like, I, I kind of compare it to like building a fire. Right. And we're like rubbing the two sticks together and then there's a spark and then you share your story and then more people, hear your story and they go, you know what, Rick, it's okay. Like I can relate. Maybe it's not the pain that you went through in your accident, but it's, I can relate to you in a different way. And that's the purpose in so many ways.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I got another analogy for you. (laughs) I'm a I'm an I'm a okay love teller, analogies so, please okay, so that's okay I love so it so like um so I was listening to this podcaster the other day and he was talking about uh, the video game Mario and uh, like it, mm-hmm. immediately like that was my generation like growing up like you could see Mario drop in you know do 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 and he'd go and he'd hit like the one up you know and uh, and he'd get and then you. You'd die eventually, like your character would die, right? And, and uh, what was crazy is this podcaster was like, if the game Mario were just like uh, a green grass path and all you did is you dropped in and you went across and you went to the end, right? No challenges. He said, you probably like put that game down after like one try. I mean, it'd be boring. And it says the, the reason we loved Mario when we were when we were kids is because we couldn't. We'd like to. We died, but we wanted to get to that position and just a little bit further every time. You know, you'd get to that fire breathing dragon and he'd kill you. This time he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit farther." You know, and I think if we like the the thing we need to like tell our kids. Are, are like people that my message is everybody's gonna have challenges in life there's there's no life that is gifted with challenge free you know my challenge is you know I, like I still even have challenges today you know um, but the pro the, the thing is is like I feel like um, um, if we can look at, like our trials and whatnot as just like a challenge. Um, how am I going to get past this and a little bit further? And I think together we can we can work on those challenges and and help other people. You know, and and I I think you know Megan, it's pretty cool that you have a podcast and and uh, you know like you have something that sets you apart from everybody else. You know, you have these gifts, you know, to to help help you through, right? And I thought I lost everything when I became paralyzed. I thought I would, you know, I thought all oh, my 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 talent is gone. I don't have this physical body, but I realized that God blessed me with the ability to tell a good story and to motivate others and you know like uh, we all have that everybody on this earth has certain talents skills abilities and traits and that's what helps us get through
0: oh this is a heavy day can you tell me what like how you got to the point where i mean you obviously worked with your wife for a year when it happened um, it must have been hard on a relationship because you were dealing with all the things that you were dealing with, but then you went on to have a family, correct?
2: Yeah. Yep. I'm. Uh, my wife is, she deserves more credit than I do as far as my survival story. I mean, she, she was there with me the whole time. Um, she actually became a nurse after I You know, because she saw what good nurses do and what bad nurses do. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. um, And my wife has been with me through the whole thing, you know, and and truly a blessing to me. Um, I couldn't make it a day without her now, even.
0: You have the most beautiful family. Um, And I love that you've kind of gone on. And written your book, and you know you're a coach, and what else do you do now? I mean, also what what you do the hand cycle, so I'm you you like aren't somebody obviously that just you know is like this is my life now. I'm not going to be active. Tell me about that.
2: Um, I I like to be active, you know, and and I think everybody mm-hmm. has this desire within them, but uh, I have these moments where I can't sleep at night you know I think everybody does and one uh, half of those nights are like the excited like oh you know Christmas is coming and I can't sleep because I'm excited to open the presents right but the other half of those nights are just nights where I kind of like lay awake and uh, I try to think of like what what's my next move you know and and uh, I have this this big desire to make my mama proud, you know? And that's, that's not, not just my mama, but like, that's, that's my term for like, I want to do something that will make people proud of me or or whatnot. And so I've had, like, I've been blessed in my life with just people around me who are willing to adapt with me, you know, because I, the reality of it is I'm in a wheelchair and, you know i can do everything i need to but uh sometimes i'm going to need help and 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 uh people have been placed around me that, and and i've had opportunities to go do things and and my philosophy is just never say no to those things um i like i said i ride a hand cycle one of my favorite things to do uh is i play a sport called uh, wheelchair rugby and i play with a team out of las vegas Um, and it's pretty cool. That's, that's like, uh, my favorite thing to talk about is rugby. If you have like a conversation, (laughs) if you meet me, I'll be like, oh yeah, I play wheelchair rugby. You know, that's my biggest thing I like to brag about. Um, a lot of my teammates are, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the sport, uh, is Basically for anybody in a wheelchair, uh, not any, anybody that's a quadriplegic have to have impairment in all four limbs and it's really cool. Uh, it's like my way of, uh, getting around people who, uh, have dealt with the same kind of issues that I have and, uh, you know, five or six guys that I get with down in Vegas. Um, they're my, my best friends and my, you know, my brothers or whatnot, you know, so,
0: I love that you do that. Um, I also um, that I think that's so great to be able to be around people that maybe can relate to the things that you've gone through in your own life. Um, and and I've never heard of that. I think that's so inspiring. Do you gamble when you're in Vegas at your tournaments? I just have to ask you that. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm not a very good gambler. I, I used to a little bit, but, uh, most of the tournaments that we go to, uh, well, uh, we're so busy with like, uh, you know, getting, going from bus to gym to hotel. I don't really gamble very much, but, uh, what's really cool is, uh, like, uh, when I, when I was a kid, I had fond memories of following my dad to like softball tournaments that he would go. And, you know, I I loved that. I looked up to my dad a lot. And uh, my kids are nine now. And a couple of my favorite tournaments that I've been to has been where I've gotten the opportunity to to bring my kids along and let them watch what I do. Um, The sport of uh, rugby, when they invented it, it was called murder ball. So if anybody wants to learn about the sport, there's actually a documentary called Murder Ball. And it's about like the Team USA when they, you know, became one that uh, they were in the Olympics. And uh, it's an Olympic sport. And I've played around, uh, I've played around Paralympians. And it's pretty cool. Like it's my way of, I get to travel the US. I've been, you know, as far as Texas, uh, California, um, all over uh, Arizona, Utah, Idaho for tournaments and, it's my favorite thing to do right now. I
0: love that. I think that's amazing. Something that you that I wanted to touch on that you said before I asked the dumb do you like to gamble question, only because it was me selfishly putting myself in Vegas. I'm such a weirdo. Anytime I meet anybody from Vegas, I think it's amazing because I love a slot machine. So I'm anytime Vegas is mentioned, I'm like one day gonna be one of those old ladies sitting in a slot machine with like a long ash. Even though I don't smoke, maybe when I'm old I'll start. That's a joke. Um I <laughs> I think what you something you said was when you're sleeping, because you obviously have this amazing mind, which is such a gift, right? To be able to tap into like thoughts. But then sometimes when you're somebody that is a storyteller or your, your, your brain never stops, you know, like at night I'm up a lot. I, my mind is always racing. I can I can never sit still. That's just how I'm wired. Um, but I like, I think it's important for people to listen and know when you are a survivor or somebody that has struggled with, like in your case, your, your story and struggled with your mental health that you do still have bad days, you know, I mean, not every day is going to be a good day. And to understand that, yes, you didn't, you know, push yourself down that hill And decide to leave. But what you are honest and transparent about is the fact that there's still hard days. We still struggle. You're still gonna have like days where, you know, it's not easy, but you choose to keep going. And I think that's important to point out. And then find like outlets. Like, I love that you have the rugby, I love that you coach sports. Your kids are so lucky to have you do you, are they twins
2: yes they're twins uh they're yeah yep. uh, okay grayson and berkeley are their names they're so cute oh they're they are i
0: love those names by the way
2: yeah i got a story about grayson if you want
0: okay tell me your story
2: so um that's another lesson too okay so um i remember uh when my kids were still in the cribs but they'd want to come out you know and And they'd want, you know, they'd cry at nights and whatnot. And my wife had started working uh, nights full time. And it was my job as a dad to, you know, take care of them if they woke up in the night or they needed anything. And Berkeley, um, the smaller one, uh, he was always in a crib that we had, like we had modified and we could open the door and I could like wheel up to him. But we didn't have time to modify Grayson's crib. And Grayson has always been the stronger, you know, the tougher one and cried less and whatnot. But one night Grayson was crying in his crib. And up until this point, I just never could get him out of the crib by myself. And uh, this night he wanted the same thing I wanted. He wanted to be on his dad's lap, you know. And uh, it was a lesson to me because I was like, you know, I, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I remember um, in my wheelchair as close as I could to the crib. And as a little kid, he can't talk yet, but I remember speaking to him. I said, Grayson, we've got to work together to get you on my lap. And uh, so I maneuvered and tried to like, reach my arm over into this crib. And if you could imagine this toddler, just like, Almost like a little monkey clinging onto his mom's back, he he clinged onto my arm, and then I like leveraged on my wheelchair, and I you know was able to reach him over the crib, probably not the safest, but you know onto my lap, and uh, you know my kids, you know they're they're gonna realize a lot of things in this life that yeah my dad's different. There's some things that dad can't you know do right away. But with adaption and help, like, I've never in my parenting career, career, whatever, my parenting life had my, had been inadequate. Like, whatever I can do works fine for us, you know, and and as a matter of fact, I feel like I'm more active than most with my kids, you know, and, and I think that I was, I was worried about that, like, my if my kids would look at me differently, but, um, I was pretty proud of like a, about a month ago, they were, they were talking about heroes in their classes at school and both my kids brought up me and the, the teacher was like, uh, we'd like you to come speak to the whole school. And so I was like pretty proud of that, you know? And, uh, and that's, that's kind of one thing that really got me interested in motivational speaking and I feel like, I feel like my story, um, has an opportunity to to inspire others.
0: It does, 100%. I mean, I've been doing this now a few years. And the the story that you shared today is just one of hope. You know, um, like what you went through in your life is a form of grieving. You had to grieve your old life and start fresh and new. And no matter who you are, this is for the listeners, no matter what your struggles are, whether you, you know, are going through some kind of loss of another person or you're going through your own loss of having to start over like Rick, these stories and your story is one that's a gift that you're supposed to be sharing and people need to hear this. So I don't know if me telling you that makes more people want to hear your story, but, or not, that's such a silly thing to say. More people should be hearing your story is what I meant to say. And so you got to keep going. You have to keep going because it's, it's a great story. It really is. I could talk to you for a very long time, by the way. Um, And you're my friend now because a lot of times, I I uh, well you and I already I feel like are friends yeah. because we've been in contact for so yeah. many months, yeah. but the book Red Letter Days, um, which you sent me, we're going to be sending a couple to some listeners, right? Yeah. Did you tell me you wanted to do that? Yeah. Okay. What is your What is your Instagram?
2: Uh, my Instagram is uh, Rick from Roe, R I C K F R O M R O E. And uh, if you just search Rick Weary, okay. you can find that. And and you're like, uh, there's a link on my bio if you're interested in buying my book. Um, I, or if you ever need a motivational speaker, I'm new to that game, but I really want to just get my my message out there.
0: And you will. You don't. You you. It's supposed to happen, and it will. You. I'm willing it for you. I'm actually doing my I'm starting my speaking career as well and I think I'm gonna I think we're supposed to talk offline about maybe connecting you with someone Um, so Rick it was an honor to finally have you on I, I loved every second of this episode I guarantee my listeners I'm pretty sure will too and you please keep going and sharing your story and um, thank you for making me cry. <laughs> uh, I am so grateful that you came on today. Please uh, follow Rick. Go to his Instagram. Um, get his book. And just a reminder to all of you: keep going. Uh, this this world is not always easy. We're in a really tough place in our country, in our world. A lot of people are struggling. Uh, especially this time of year. It's hard at the holidays, even though by the time this plays, it won't be the holidays, but it's still hard. And um, I just always remind people that they matter and to keep going. And in closing, be happy by making other people happy. Thank you, Rick.
2: Thank you. It was worth the wait. I appreciate it, Megan.
0: Judging Megan with Megan Judge.